What is up, people? Thank you for joining this video. I don't even know what I'm saying right now, but anyway, <laughs> Hannah and I, this series is the inside the mind of a human centered design practitioner. We've come up with about 10 questions that we haven't shown each other for each other that are quick fire basically on that topic to see what that gut reaction instinct is. Pressure's on. Are you ready? I'm ready. I've got my questions. Bring it on. I really wanted to challenge your thinking on this one. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. I'm even more nervous now. Of course, been one. <laughs> Where did your interest in human-centered design initially come from? Oh, good question. <laughs> Rapid. Um, I think it was you'd mentioned it because I write the blogs for Bell Vista Studios and you'd mentioned it as a concept that you'd heard of. Blog Check out the blogs. <laughs> Just a little plug there. Um, so yeah, I think you got me to look into it for a blog and I was I started learning more about it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so epic. And because I love psychology and understanding humans and connecting with people, just I knew straight away that I was going to love it and just saw extra value in it compared to other topics that I've written on. I like it. Written about. Oh, <laughs> okay, question two. What challenges as an instructional designer has human self-centered design helped you overcome? Ooh, I think the biggest one is understanding what the end user actually needs. So in the past, I'd sort of been designing learning and seen other people design training that didn't actually meet the needs of the end user. So we would spend all this time and energy and effort doing something and then we wouldn't get the outcome that we wanted, but through human-centered design, it's helped me actually design something where we get good feedback and people actually change their behavior and do something different. Aww. She hasn't seen these questions, by the way, the same, but loving the answers. So far. Uh, okay, since learning human-centered design, how has your storyboarding process changed? Ooh, good. Um, I think it's been really good because, don't make me laugh. It's been really good because human-centered design, the discovery process, you get all of the information that you need to storyboard. So in the past, I had to figure out scenarios and try and like imagine what it would be like in someone's workplace or in the learner's shoes. Whereas through human-centered design, we have that content now. So through user interviews, you talk to the end users and they'll give you examples and actually like explain the real life scenario or context. So when I storyboard, I literally have everything I need. Like it's so easy. It's just like the interviews have given us this information. This is not rapid fire because I'm going on. That's it's okay. Is that a value? I'll allow you. But basically it gives you all the information you need to storyboard. It's amazing. It okay. gives you the information you need. You don't have to look further. Okay. And it's realistic. And um, not joking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question four. Outside of instructional design, where does human-centered design apply to life in general? Oh, good one. Um, I think I see it often now. So even when I'm working or not work, what's the, what am I trying to say? Like when I'm interacting with others. Mm. So for example, at the moment I have a really good doctor mm. who's like, incredible and when I think about what makes him a really good doctor and why like I like I look up to him because I'm like wow like every time I go I feel like he looks after me and he looks after my family who go and see him and it's because he puts me at the heart of everything that he does like he he's empathetic and he listens to me and um I 
I think it's just like when you have a good experience with services or whatever you're doing out in the world, if you think about it, it's because they are considering you as a human being and giving you what you need. So I just like see it out in the world when I have good experiences. Um, what experience does human-centred design create for stakeholders? Ooh, so stakeholders could include the end users. So for them, I think it's relevant to them. So they complete a solution that actually makes sense and has like fits in with their context. Uh, and for the client, I feel like it actually makes like changes. So the behaviour that they want to change and the goal that they want to meet, it helps them do that because the people that are completing their solution, it's like, it makes sense for them. So they change their behavior, the project goals met. So the client's happy because whatever goal they wanted to meet, they're meeting it and that impacts so many other things, whether it's like revenue or whatever it is, profit. Yeah. Cool. How do you think about your role as an instructional designer differently since adopting human-centered design into your process? Um... I think before I was focused on doing what I thought was the right thing. Mm -hmm. So like reading all the different methodologies and thinking which one is going to, which I think they're great. A lot of the methodologies out there to help people learn in the best way, but human centered design, it's now made me realize that it's not about me or what I know. Mm -hmm. It's about what they tell me. So I think it was to begin with, it was a little bit uncomfortable because it's like mm -hmm. starting with a blank slate. You don't have all the answers. So you need to go into the, design process not knowing what the answer is and even though that's uncomfortable it's really good because you end up designing something that works for them not what works for you so I guess it's just like I feel like I'm serving them more and I still sometimes as I know you speak to me sometimes and you're like you haven't met their needs like you need to see them as someone that you need to solve their problem and I think the more and more I do human-centered design I focus on how I can solve their problem <laughs> You're like, yeah. stop talking. No, it's <laughs> making me so proud. Aww. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the tear <laughs> was shed on this video. <laughs> on this Instagram live. <laughs> what are the key characteristics of a human-centered design mindset? Uh, openness. Um, empathy. And curiosity. Three questions left and put the hand oh, on this very rapid five, no. five hours later. <laughs> We're going to get a copyright strike. Right now. <laughs> How do you continuously stretch yourself to develop your human centered design skills? Uh, I think it's just practicing using the tools. The more that I use the tools, so for example, empathy maps, um, running discovery workshops with clients, creating user personas. For me, it's like practicing is the best thing because I've done so much research now and I've read all about it. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I understand the theory, but it's like the practicing part that I want to keep getting better and better at. Yeah. Okay, cool. What's a mistake you've made as an instructional designer that human-centered design helped you overcome? Um, well, I think the example was this morning. You helped me overcome it through the human-centered design thinking in that way. So a mistake I'd made is I'd made a decision on, so a client wanted me to do something to a learning solution. Mm -hmm. I didn't agree with what they wanted, but I didn't actually um, think about what it was like from their perspective. I just thought like with my knowledge, this is not the right thing. Mm -hmm. 
for me, human-centered design and moving forward, I need to always think, okay, if I put myself in the shoes of that client or that, that end user, they have this comment and understand the world from their perspective. And I think if I'd done that, I probably would have taken a different action, whether it was explaining to them why I'd made that decision or potentially making an adjustment so it was easier for them to understand or, yeah. Hmm. I think as instructional, as a designer, sometimes I can be like, this is the right decision. I've like, I know all this stuff, but you really need to put yourself into their shoes and make a decision for them. Last question. <laughs> Any words of wisdom for instructional designers looking to learn and benefit from adopting human-centered design like you did? Any advice? Words of wisdom. Um, they were well, all the wonderful things that you've spoken about today. Not to boast, but, <laughs> but um, we have a YouTube playlist. Um, this is not those. I actually think this is the no, it's okay. That's why I said I was proud earlier. Yeah. So we've like done a lot of around human centered design. We talk about it all the time. Like it's like, and I absolutely love it. We talk about it and explore it and experiment it with all the time. So we have a YouTube channel that you can go on. And there's Which a, you're probably watching this video on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's a human centered design playlist. So check out that playlist and it basically goes through all the different tools that we've learned about and I talk you through how to use each tool and how you can apply it to your project. So I would do that. And then also the human centered design playbook is absolutely epic. Like that is like, it has all of the tools that you need and explains the process. When we created that playbook, we like stepped into your shoes. So we created it in a way that's going to add value to you. So whether you need to convince your boss and speak to stakeholders about using the process, we start from the very beginning of when you will start using it. Um, so that and another thing I would probably say is IDEO. So IDEO have a human-centered design course as well And that's the very first um, Look into human-centered design that I had and that was really really good um, Yeah, I reckon that would be it Thank you I love no worries. Not hearing that. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. Precious one for you now Okay, are you ready Kim? Human-centered design Human-centered design rapid-fire questions. Question one why do you use human-centered design? Because it helps you identify the real problem and change behavior. What's your favorite human-centered design tool and why? Ooh. It has to be our process, which is actually that playbook. Like, but we have been experimenting and iterating and our process is the tool step by step to get those results of the change behavior that I've just said is why I use it. Yeah. yeah. Is there a specific tool in the playbook that you like? Well, they, I, I like consider them, them activities. <laughs> activities. I don't discriminate. Yeah. I think they're activities within the tool set. Like I think yeah. action mapping is a tool. Human-centered design is a tool. Like that's yeah. the way I guess I'm using that language. Yeah. Okay. So our process is the one tool. And then to that use. takes yeah. you to, yeah. Individual activities. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. User interviews or user personas? Um, if you want to pick one or the other. User interviews because it allows you to extract the information, the real world context, the real world stories, and yeah. that just makes storyboarding um, way easier. Yeah. Nice. What's your favorite human-centered design project? Oh, um, I think it was the mental well-being one that we did mm -hmm. because we 
I just loved the output that came out of it, but we didn't know what we were going to do at the beginning. And I love actually why I love it is because the client came to us saying we want e-learning on mental health well-being. And then we did our human centered design process and that uncovered that e-learning would not solve the problem and that it was just a component of the bigger solution. And I loved that mm. it allowed us to do that. And in the end, like we went through the process, it ended up being e-learning, some videos and a self-care plan and the feedback that we got from the client, like they rang us months after saying, I've just come out of a meeting with 12 executives and they're like, how do we get this to our teams? Because it's amazing and the impact that it had on them personally. So I think that just shows the process gets the results. So nice. I'm actually proud. I love yeah. that one too. Yeah, it was cool. Good answer. Um, your boss tells you that you're too busy to use human-centered design. Oh. What do you tell them? You are your own boss. Like <laughs> another version of you. Oh, yeah, so <laughs> told you as well. Like, and your yeah, well, you was like, yeah. time for that. Yeah. What um, you say? It's about saying, okay, well, if the scope is this and the schedule is this, let me massage the things that happen within that. And I'm going to select these activities that help us still keep the project on schedule and within the scope. Um, but I'm going to run these because if we don't, it's going to be money wasted, time wasted, our resources. We're not going to change behavior. Your boss won't be happy. You won't be happy with me. It's not going to give off a good impression of our team. We're not going to demonstrate our value. Is that with this, I present this to you, boss, to make an informed decision. <laughs> um, and it's over to you if you want to support me applying human-centered design or not. What do you do? Why? And leave it to them. Love it. Very good. <laughs> How do you handle a diverse range of users or learners? Um, they say that you like if you start asking. Uh, people will argue differently, but I've found this to be the case that if you interview about five people, after that they start saying the same thing or they start just validating the data. So I think you can get maybe it's like five outdoor workers and five indoor workers, but I think you need to look at the segmentation of your audience and then interviewing them and getting that diverse range. And that's like whether that segmentation is like indoor, outdoor workers, um, levels of hierarchy. So like executives, managers, supervisors, team members. So you need to look at the audience that you need to design something for and then maybe interview five within each segment. Yeah, I love it. Nice. Um, how do you handle stakeholders or learners that have different opinions? Um, Okay, success statement, which is the first thing at the beginning of like our human-centered design process. You get all the key stakeholders, anyone that has the option to say no any point throughout the project in the room, create basically a success statement as your project goal. Create that, co-create it with them, get approval in the room, because when that happens, you go, okay, well, you are not agreeing, but we can clearly map this thing to the success statement help us understand the missing link basically or why mm. that's not meeting those goals. Mm. Um, and that is your kind of backup little thing that you can go, this disagreement, we need to remember we're on track for this success mm. statement. Now let's talk about it. And then it takes that personal kind of emotion out of it. Yep. And you're all going, yep, this is the goal we're trying to achieve. Yep. We've all agreed on this. Our perspectives were shared from the very beginning. Yeah, that's 
so cool. So valuable that, isn't it? A success yeah. statement. <laughs> uh, top tips for user interviews. Well, in our process, we have clearly defined questions. Yeah. I think there's six of them. Yeah. Um, and those six questions get applied to any problem, basically, and they give us the data that is required. So I think it's going in from a place of curiosity and that you know nothing and that you're there to extract the valuable data that they have to help you solve that problem, that success statement that you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And knowing that they're, if you've got the right people, I guess, stepping back, get the right people into that conversation um, because, you know, if they're the high performers, they're setting that training benchmark for you and giving you the answers that you need as an instructional designer to create relevant and need to know training content. Love it. Boom. Top tips for empathy maps. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, Co-create it with key stakeholders. You don't need to do it just as the instructional designer or the instructional design team. Get learners in there, get um, your project sponsor, get your project manager, whoever is in there, like co-create it. That buy-in is really important and future desired state. So don't do it from where people are currently at. What if people meet our success statement, that project goal, what would we see them do differently in the future if they're meeting that? What would they say if they were meeting that? So that future desired state, because that again is your performance benchmark that you're trying to achieve. Nice. Top tips for user testing. User testing. Oh, be <laughs> silent. Okay. Oh, good one. So yeah, when they are doing their thing, we can have an urgency to be like, oh, are you like, are you stuck there? Like, let me help you there be silent, just observe, take notes, and let it all play out because that is valid data of like, there's something wrong with yeah, your solution. That's cool. Yeah. That's such a good one. Cause it is easy to like want to help them, mm. isn't it? Um, how do you enable learners or users in user interviews to feel comfortable to share their truth? I think you need to recognize them as an individual, as a human being and be grateful for the opportunity to speak with them mm. um, and express that to them. Like, I'm so grateful that I can actually have this opportunity to speak with you to understand your world because I don't want to come in and design something that helps you in no way. Mm. I want to help you to the best of my ability and I'm sure you've had experiences in the past where things are being pushed at you and you're like, this is a waste of my time or they don't get my world and I don't want that to happen. Mm -hmm. So being grateful and expressing that and really emphasizing that the value they can bring. Cause a lot of times people will say, I don't know why I'm here. Like I can't give you what you need next minute that you open a can of worms and they're just yeah. like, so much valuable <laughs> information. Yeah. But saying like you've been asked and recognized for a reason that you are able to contribute and give us what we need to help you better. So thank you. Yeah. Love it. Beautiful. All right. This is a big one. How many have I got? Okay, I've got a couple more for you just to put you under some extra pressure. Um, how might an organization incorporate human-centered design into their culture? Mm, okay, so human-centered design, the essence of human-centered design is to put 
the needs of your end user at the heart of your solution. So all you need to do is go talk to them. That's, that's the one action. The rest will unfollow from there. Boom, love it. Let me get that too. <laughs> okay. That was beautiful. <laughs> no, that was, honestly. Well done. Okay. Anyway, thank you for watching this video. We appreciate it. We hope that, that like this is really truly what we're about as a team. Yeah. And it has honestly benefited us by putting human centered design as a bolt on to our instructional design skills. Mm. Um so we really encourage you to go check out our YouTube. Like the links in the description will lead you to where you need to be. Um but like if you want to future proof proof your like career, it's the way to go. So thanks for watching. Check out any of our stuff on Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, all that jazz. That's where it's at. We appreciate you. Thank you for the love that you gave us.